band a round of applause. They had to navigate a few new things this morning. And the most challenging thing I thought would be um, a call and res response type worship from the back. And they decided to open with two call and response songs. So they facing it head on. Um, Stephen, would you please come and stand next to me? Um, Stephen Lungu was uh, born in Harare in 1942. I've got about a 30-minute introduction. They've raised five biological and 13 adopted children. Um, I think his granddaughter, one of his granddaughters is in the audience. Is she? Um, Tia. Where's Tia? And his 18 children, as far as I understand, love the Lord and are working for him all over the globe, the most beautiful stories. Now, I do not really understand how you raise 18 children, but um, we are in a season where we trust in God to do the things that only he can do, right? So that's what we do. Um, so I think he might be able to tell you a bit, a, a bit better, but God raised him miraculously from being a violent rebel leader to a humble and a powerful man of God and he has assisted in many um, peace negotiations and governments in Africa and he has preached the gospel of Jesus Christ over the whole world for many years now um, if I'm wrong of anything I'm saying I will repent later you can correct me he recently retired from working alongside Michael Cassidy as African Enterprises chief evangelist um, he's often called the Billy Graham of, of Africa um, and uh, it is really an immense honor and a privilege for us as a very small congregation here in Cape Town to host him I said I wish I could fill up Greenpoint's stadium um, to hear these words but may it resonate and echo in your heart and may what he brings to us be brought into this city through you Amen we receive you Waiting for Jesus. Are you ready to sweat a bit for uh, Jesus? I'm sweating a bit for Jesus. It's worth it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your amen is boring. Uh, in Africa, we say big amen. Amen. I thought you were Africans. Huh? They say big amen. And we are, what I like about Africa is we have got Africans which, who are white, black, green, blue, all the colors. Eh? So we thank God. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, that's better. Yeah, that's how we Africans, you know, rejoice. We don't do it like statues. Eh? Statues, they stand. Quietness, where you worship with quietness, go to the graveyard. It's quiet. Yeah, to the graveyard, it's quiet. But here, it's a maternity ward. A maternity ward, there's pain, then there's joy after that. Amen. Amen. So, we, I like churches which are maternity ward, where first you cry. And then later on, there's what? 
joy. Hallelujah. So I want to call a chauffeur my tenant ward. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to thank God. We had, um, I had a very good time last week. Uh, in Stellenbosch, started at, uh, at the university there. And God blessed us on Sunday. Then from Monday, I've been to different high schools and many places. Lots and lots of tears among students. And uh, what a joy to see these young ones coming to Christ. If you lose them now, you'll never get them in future. So get them now, and they are straight with God. And then we have a good nation. So I'm praying that God will continue to bless this church, and that it will grow and grow and grow. But it is not the pastor's duty to grow this church. And it is sinful for a pastor to grow the church. It is the members of the church who should grow the church. Amen. The pastor is just a shepherd. So if he sleeps with the sheep, he's sinning. Okay? It is the sheep must produce sheep. Okay? So his duty is just to lead them to green pastures. Are we together? So it, you are guilty if you spend one month without leading someone to Jesus, without bringing someone to church. Something is wrong. You cannot be in the church and enjoy the joy of the Lord and get excited while others are perishing. The church is not full until everyone is saved. Hallelujah. The church is not full until everyone out there is born again. Hallelujah. Are we together? I know you will not invite me again, no problem. But I preach my heart. I'm an evangelist. I'm not a pastor. Yeah, I preach my heart out. Amen. I'm excited. Really excited. This is a big church, my brother. This is big. In Germany, I was in Germany last October. In the big cathedral, only 18 people. In the big cathedral, only 18 people. Germany is dying. Very few, if you have got a, a congregation like this, they call it a major church. Big church. But we thank God that God is moving in Africa and we are not going to turn back. We are going to go forward. Now I want all Africans, please ban people, go back to our instruments. We want to sing the African way. What we are doing is the way, the European way, where you don't dance. So this now will be the African way. Please ban, go there. You want to sing Titambire Jehovah. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, we Africans, if you are white or black, you are an African. Dance for Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> we want to dance for Jesus. You know, when we'll be going to heaven, Africans will be leading with the singing. White people will be coming back behind us. 
Because they don't know how to dance, they don't know how to sing. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you are you are a black person with white skin, come and dance. Hallelujah. You are an African. So I'm saying Africans, whether you are colored, you are Indian, come and dance if you are an African. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was born in Zimbabwe from a, a Malawian father, a Zambian mother. So I'm a colored. <laughs> Come on, Africans, let's, let's dance for Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Kenya. We went to Burundi, to Rwanda, to Cape Town. Yes. Hallelujah. Yeah, they, they were. It was joy. We like such kind of joy. This is not a, a, a cemetery. Ah. <laughs> this is called Shofar Maternity Church. <laughs> yeah, where joy is. Hallelujah. I, I, I belong to the Presbyterian Church in Malawi. And uh, when I got born again on Sunday, the other Sunday I went to church, I was full on fire. Man, there was joy inside me. Born again on Sunday, before 24 hours, I led 15 people to Jesus. <laughs> I was less than one day old. I led 15 people to Jesus, and three of them are pastors. And I've never stopped talking about Jesus because I don't have a foot and mouth disease. Many Christians have got a foot and mouth disease. It's for animals. But if it catches Christians, they don't go for Jesus. They don't talk about Jesus. If you fly with me in the plane, hey man, by the time we land, you have heard about Jesus. I don't zip my mouth, even in the plane. And when I'm in the plane, I talk a little bit louder for the rest to hear. <laughs> yeah, you preach everywhere. You go through immigration, and they stamp your passport, talk about Jesus. I've led many immigration officers to Christ using my own passport. You don't use the vest. <laughs> when he stamps your passport, he says, welcome, sir. I said, are you welcome there? And then see, <laughs> they start crying. You lead them to Jesus. In Canada, I led one immigration officer to Jesus. So God is wonderful. Amen. I'm excited about Jesus. I don't know about you. But I'm really, really sold out for Jesus. And I love him to bits. That's English, is that? Oh, okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. When I got saved in my church first week, I was I had to hold my mouth in the church because each time the uh, the pastor preached about Jesus, I would say Amen, and the elders say Shh, you don't do that here. <laughs> and the priest is so excited. I said Hallelujah. And they would rebuke me. Don't say, Shh, hallelujah, in this church. <laughs> Presbyterians, you are Presbyterians. <laughs> and I was rebuked several times. And the following week, they put me under church discipline. They excommunicated me in the church for saying amen and hallelujah. So for three years, I was standing at church service by the window outside. And I went into the streets and preached the gospel, brought many people to Christ. They accepted all the people I brought, but the preacher was outside. Uh, isn't that crazy? <laughs> uh, and the church doubled in number of the people I was bringing. Saved at one day old, man, the following week, 
was on fire for God. And I've never stopped talking about Jesus because I love him too much. I know where I'm coming from. I know who I am. And I know where I'm going. And I give him all the glory and praise. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to share this morning replacing God. It's a funny title, but so often each one of us, we replace God with something else. We replace God on his position with something else. And so that's what I want to share because I was also guilty before God where I took away God from his throne and I sat on it myself. And I became the boss of myself, controlled myself. And I replaced God with me. The I, the big I. Thank you, my sister. God bless you. Hey, man, Jesus. You have to bless me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> I replaced God with myself. I became the boss of myself, where I controlled myself. Now, I won't go much on my, te my testimony, but I want to for us to read Luke chapter 18, from verse 18. Luke chapter 18, from verse 18. Are we together, church? Luke chapter 18, from verse 18. <clears throat> I was only 22 years old when I started reading. Because I've never been in school, I was never educated, I didn't know what is a classroom. I don't know what is a teacher. I didn't have the privilege of going to school because my mom and dad dumped me when I was four years old. So I started living under a bridge at the age of four and started smoking uh, marijuana, injections, blue, spirits, petrol, and all that, and injections, that those who are my drugs. I started killing someone at the age of 11. I was only 11 years old when I stabbed someone with a knife. I had become like an animal of a boy, rebellious against God. And I used to ask my question, many questions. Why me? Why was I born as a black man? Why, why, why? Why my mother kept me nine months, and after nine months she breastfeed me. Four years later she dumps me, and my father rejected me because he used to blame my mother that I didn't resemble him. So my mother, poor girl, was always being beaten by my father day in and day out. And as I grew up, I would I, I would ask questions: Why me? Who am I? I grew up not knowing my surname. I'm called Stephen Lungu. Lungu is not my father's surname. I wish I was called by my real father's surname. But the surname I'm bearing today, I was given by a white missionary. So I'm carrying a surname that does not belong to me. So brothers and sisters, when there's a broken marriage, there's also a broken society. When there's a broken marriage, those kids 
become slippery. They're going to gangs, not because they want to be gang members, but they are desperate to look for something else. So I became a gang member, not because I wanted to, but I was forced into this. A gang member is the most coward person. Any gang member is the most coward person because he is going with this group to look for an identity. He's just looking for an identity so to be like his friends. He has to do worse things than his friends so as to be accepted. So I was doing worse things so as to be accepted. And then I did more, I did more. Later on, I became the leader of the gang. Now, becoming the leader of the gang, you are the most ruthless person. And I told my gang, you never laugh in my gang. If you laugh, I'll kill you. And one day, my friend, my friend was laughing, going around the building, and I followed him. Why are you laughing? He said, I was laughing about this and that. And I pulled out my gun and shot him just for laughing. You become like an animal of a boy. I've traveled many countries like Congo, uh, uh, Rwanda, during the genocide and so on. Seeing people, how they slaughter another person like they are slaughtering a chicken. That's how a human being can become. Here in South Africa, the same thing. Go in these areas where there are gangs, you see the same thing. You ask these guys, why did you become a gang member? He goes back to his parents. I was rejected. I was looking for life. So, you replace God where you forsake God. In my days, if you brought a Bible, I would kill you. This book was a white man's book. It was a book of slavery. I didn't like this book. I didn't like white people either. I said, Jesus was a white man with a long nose. And I was a black man with a flat nose. So flat and long doesn't go together. And thank God today I love the long nose. Whether you like it or not, I just love it. I can't help it. <laughs> In fact, my own son, the fourth-born son, married a long nose one. Oh, my. <laughs> and we love our, grand uh, our daughter-in-law, but we don't call her our daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-love. Not daughter-in-law, daughter-in-love. Amen. You remove this in-law. Because in-law brings all the laws of your, of your village. Eh? <laughs> Amen. Now, this morning, Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> that brought me face to face with God. After I came to Jesus and accepted him, I loved him, and I was still de dealing with the things of my past. I was still in control of my life. Yes, I loved Jesus, but I was still the boss of me, controlling me. Stephen was standing like the big eye. God needs to take this eye and bend it to become see Christ-like. When you become Christ-like, your life has changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God saved me one night. 
I came to a meeting not to hear the word of God because I hated the Bible. And also when I heard this, they were singing about Jesus. Over the loudspeakers I hear about Jesus. We were actually going to plant a bomb in the bank. And I was planting bombs in the supermarket. When people go in the supermarket, the bomb would go off, kill as many people as I could. But on this particular day, I was going to plant a bomb in the bank that on Monday morning, when all the white people are in the bank, quarter past eight, the bomb would go off. So that was my desire all the time. But this particular day, we saw this big, massive tent. And the worst part of it, it was coming from Johannesburg. I said, no, no, no. Nothing good can come from South Africa. Full of apartheid system. Nothing. They've just come to brainwash us here in Zimbabwe. So I said, guys, get your AK-47. We go and spray the bullets to everyone who is in that tent. I want every person to die. 3,000 people were to die in one night. So we got there, and one of my friends said, Steve, we still have five minutes. What do we do in five minutes? I said, well, let's go inside. For two minutes only, we go inside and look at the people. If you see your mother, she must die. If you see your sister, must die. No one must be spared. They say, okay, Steve. For two minutes only. So that was a good mistake to give God two minutes. <laughs> so we went inside, sat right at the back. We were singing out of tune. One preacher came to touch my shoulder. I said, boys, keep quiet. And I pulled that man up. I said, preacher, if you touch me again, I'll kill you. And all my gang members looked at me shocked. I said, what? I said, but you just warned that preacher. That was not my character. If I pulled out my gun, I would shoot. If I took out my knife, I would stay. But that night, I warned the preacher. And that's why my friends were shocked. So, now, you know, God has got a sense of humor. They've invited a pretty girl from Soweto. Man, she was gorgeous. She was a smasher. Oh, man, that girl was beautiful confused me. And I said, how can a pretty girl become a Christian? I used to think Christianity is for the old, old grannies who are about to die. Or maybe ugly girls with wrong figures, boys don't love them, so they only become Christians because they are too ugly. But that night, that girl was shining with the glory of God. Affected my eyes. And this girl invites another black evangelist. This man stands up, starts crying, and he reads two verses, Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. Though he was rich, he became poor, that through his poverty you may be rich in Christ. Then he kept quiet. That puzzled me again. Because his quietness, it was his sharp eyes looking at us. Then he said these first words, I am crying because the spirit of God is telling my spirit right now. Many people seated here tonight are going to die. I said, uh-oh, who told him what we're about to do? 
Uh, then I took man with my guns here and tucked him in front and making our bombs ready. And then he starts preaching about the judgment of God. I didn't like one thing of this preacher. It was his finger. I didn't like it. Every time he pointed the finger like it was bending towards me all the time. He would point this direction like it was bending towards me all the time. So I said to my friend, this preacher has no manners at all. Why does he use his finger like that to people? But that finger made me restless. So the next thing would point, I would duck down behind someone's back. When the finger comes, I would duck down. So I was going up and down, up and down. You can never hide from the finger of God. That night I started crying. I picked up my AK-47 and my bombs and I started walking forward knelt at the feet of that preacher that night I invited Jesus into my life and I was born again as my savior and I was a new creature that night the power of drugs left me the power of cigarettes left me the power of hatred left me the power of killing left me that day I was a new creature in Jesus following day I went to the police I want them to hang me Straight I was I need to go to the police for them to hang me right away because Jesus was so sweet, so good. I just wanted to die to go to heaven straight away. <coughs> this business of staying in the world was too tough. So dying, I was going to heaven. So when I went to the police, confessed all my sins after eight hours, I was disappointed when the police said, if you are Jesus has saved you, we forgive you too. I said, huh? <laughs> oh. I was shocked that the police forgave me after all the things I've done. I wanted just to die, to go to heaven. There's a time when, when you accept Jesus is so sweet, he's so good. You don't want to go back again. Up to now, Jesus is so sweet to me. I love him so much. Amen. Oh, I'm out and out for God. I love him. Now, this chapter came to me to deal with my life. Because I was sitting on the throne. I was born again. I was still struggling. When I meet a white man, I would do, greet a white man with a nice, hello, brother. But inside, he must die. The mouth is smiling. Inside, I'm condemning it to death. And how often you look at another tribe, whether it's a Zulu or a Tosa or Burundi or whatever tribe, you, you greet with a smiling face, but inside, you're angry. You're angry. Some people carry the baggage. If you came from Burundi, you came with those baggage from Burundi or from Zimbabwe or from Malawi. You carry those baggages. You come here, worship the Lord, but you are still sitting on the throne. Today you need to step down from that thr throne. Let the king of kings go in his rightful place. Amen? And now, here in this story, let's go together now. And I will there's no service after this. We'll go up to 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. Amen. 
say amen because you are. <laughs> yeah, you say that white people, they will never invite you again. <laughs> they love their watches very much. <laughs> we Africans, we don't bother about the watch. That's why I don't have a watch. Because I love Jesus too much than the watch. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll keep your time. I'll try to keep your time that you invite me again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Luke 18, verse 18. <clears throat> verse 18, there are these wonderful words. And the Bible, the title says, A rich ruler. A certain ruler. Now, when you are a ruler, you are in control. You are ruling. You are ruling. You are control. You are the boss. You are controlling. This young man was a, a ruler. When he was a ruler, this is what had happened. Verse eight, uh, 18. A, a certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit life? He had just inherited his wealth from his father. He had just inherited all this wealth. Now, if a young man inherits wealth, the first thing he buys is the comfortable one. The BMW, Mercedes, comfortable with the uh, big music. And we young people, when we drive with music, don't dance the whole body. No, it is the head and the neck. <laughs> and he's driving. <laughs> Especially when he has got a girlfriend beside. <laughs> because he has inherited something he didn't work for. You just received it. He inherited it. So in his mind, he was enjoying life. He was enjoying life. Because he inherited from his, each one of us here, each one of us, each one of us here, you inherited something. You have possessed something. And that's something we want to talk about. Amen? You inherited something. Some of us, when we were born, whether you are black or white or Indian or colored, somewhere there, well, as soon as you are born, you find that little child biting the breast of his mother. But who told this child to bite? Inherited Adamic sin. Inherited the Adamic sin. That sin you are born with makes you do things which you normally you won't do it. Who told that little baby to bite the breast of his mother? Inherited. You grow up, you start telling lies, you grow up, these are things we have inherited. And you grow up, you want to show off that you are the most beautiful. The moment you recognize who you are, your beauty, comparing with someone, there's something wrong, you inherit it. You understand? You inherit If you are a white man, you compare your whitishness. You, 
compare you being white to a black man, so I'm superior than a black man. That comparison makes that you have inherited things which are not yours. Or in African, when you hate another tribe, whether it's a Tutsi, whether it's a, a Hutu, or a Burundi, or a Congolese, when the moment you start comparing your uh, tribe, then there's something wrong. I was in the bus in Deben, and with my friends from uh, Rwanda, we were in the bus speaking in English. And uh, other guys came from Kenya. So we were in the bus holding, they are speaking in English. And then the Zulu guy says, Hey, Nina, my daughter. I said, I was. I said, I Kenya, I spoke in Zulu. But my friends, they coming from Rwanda, Burundi, so, so they can't. I said, no! No, Fuseki man, that's what he said. Fuseki man, no, is there anyone in Africa who doesn't speak Zulu? So in his mind, everyone in Africa speaks Zulu. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You go to another nationality, everyone must speak my language, my, my, my. The English want, want me to speak their language but they can't speak mine. They don't want to speak my language. Something we inherited. We inherited junk things from the past. And I inherited the anger from my father. My father was in the military, First World War. He was in the military, Second World War. When he married my mother, my mother was only 13 years old when she was forced to marry my father. She was a 13-year-old girl marrying my father. My father was about 50 years old. So a 13-year-old girl forced to marry a 50-year-old man. So my father used this scud missile to my mother every day because he was a, so a soldier. So he beat my mother every day. And as a small boy, I would try to protect my father, but they would, he would push me aside day in and day out until one day he pushed me against the wall and my head was full of blood and I turned and looked at my father. I didn't say one word. And my father said, why are you looking at me like that? And I didn't answer him, but in my mind I said, let me grow up and I'll kill you. I was only four years old. Let me grow up and I'll kill you. I had already inherited. Are we together? I had already what? Inherited. When I was killing at 11 years old, it is the thing I had just inherited from my father. From my father. Then I was putting into action what I inherited. So this man comes face to face with Jesus, not with John, not with Peter, not with Andrew, face to face with Jesus. And he asked the best question, the best question ever. And the question was, good teacher, what must I do? He wanted the things he could do. <laughs> so often, each one of us, 
we want to do something to help God. No, you can't help God, my brother, my sister. You can't. You can. The more you want to leave this throne where you are sitting, there is blue already. You want to see the there is blue. You can't. You can't. Because your character, your stride has put blue on that chair. If you are an Africana to move out from this Africana move from that chair is difficult. If you are a Rwandese, to move from this Rwandese chair is difficult because your tribe put blue on it. And you want to stand up, you can't. It only takes the blood of Jesus to do that. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus to do that. And, and I vow that I'll never greet a white man when I was in the bush, you only greet a white man when you kill him first, then greet him. How are you, sir? When he's dead. Because a living white man will call you Kefa, who call you baboon, who call you these names. So to avoid those names, kill him first. Greet him later. You are very safe today. Don't worry. Because <laughs> I see white people, when they are terrified, they become red, red, red. <laughs> and we people, we black people, we become pitch black. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I struggled with this. Then he asked a good question. Good teacher, what must I do? The answer is do nothing. Do nothing. But yield yourself to the throne of grace. Just say, Jesus, I have a problem. Problem is this pride of my, my tribe. Pride of who I am. Pride of my degree. Proud of my, my education. I'm proud of my skin. I'm proud of my tribe. I'm proud of this. Man, when you still have those things, you are still far away from God. Far away from God. So what helped me? The Bible says, God was in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5. Eh? God was where? In Christ. Reconciling what? The world to himself. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come here, my brother. Yeah. Come here, so. Yeah. Come, my brother. This is my Hondelec brew. <laughs> yeah, he is the cream and I'm the chocolate. <laughs> Hallelujah. The cream and the chocolate together. <laughs> Amen. Now, what happens here? My brother, your name again? Open. He came into Christ. Listen, he came into Christ. There inside Christ, there was God. So he goes into Christ, he meets with who? With God. But now he has another person who is me, black. He can't avoid me inside Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. He can't avoid me inside what? Christ. We are stuck together inside. Hallelujah. So he finds me with a flat nose, black, 
then we find each other, he has reconciled with God, then he has reconciled with me. Amen? So when we are reconciled, we become brothers. And I don't see this white skin, just this black skin. No. We see the holiness of God on each other. Are we together? So I went to America, to Los Angeles, with a white brother. They were gay. Oh, no, no, don't go, please. You, we are still stuck together, my brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see. It's wonderful here to have a white brother. <laughs> South Africa is telling you lies that this is a rainbow nation. Never. It's never a rainbow nation. Only when both become into Christ, we become a rainbow nation. Are we together? Outside that, we can never, we can never. This is just a political language. But in Christ, we find each other. We are brothers. Hallelujah. So we went to Los Angeles with my brother from Zimbabwe, a white who was a bodyguard of Ian Smith, Chris Sewell. And we went to preach to the gang members, only gang members in Los Angeles. Very tough people. So we bought some handcuffs. We handcuffed each other. We went into the plane, handcuffed each other with handcuffs. We went to Los Angeles. We were walking in the streets, handcuffed. Now, the gang members, they do know who was the police officer, whether the white or the black. <laughs> so we went inviting all gang members is all. Come tomorrow. We want to tell you why about these handcuffs. So, we had over 1,000 gang members, Spanish, black, white, and different colors there. And they had to register all their guns at the door. At the door. So, we went there now on the podium. We stood together handcuffed. Now, they are all watching happening here. They don't know who's the police. So I said to my brother, white brother, share your testimony first. And he says, yeah, I was a police officer <laughs> looking for this guy to arrest. <laughs> he was a terrible guy. So he went on his testimony, went to how he accepted Jesus. He was crying. Many people were crying. And after he finished, he said, now, I want my brother Stephen to share his testimony. Then I came on the podium. I said, Hello, sissies. And they said, ah, calling us sissies. <laughs> I said, you are sissies, you are cowards, you are useless. There's no man here. Oh, my friend now was becoming red, red, red. <laughs> he was terrified. And these sissies, they are going to kill us. I said, no, let me tell them the truth. There's no man among you. Why, why, why am I saying so? with other gang members because you are a sissy. You are afraid. You can't walk alone. That's why you create a gang. A real man walks on his own. And they were looking at us. So I said, let me tell you, I was also a gang member. And I told them my testimony. Told them in the middle of my sharing the story, one tough guy 
came forward. Another one. Forward. I'm still sharing one. We had more than 500 gang members kneeling down there. God moved. God moved. The spirit of God touched many gang members. But then they said, as my brother and I handcuffed us, we are inseparable. We are one. We love each other. So he took the key and took off the handcuffs and nothing else. These are the ions that came together. But more than these ions, it is the love of Jesus that ties us together. Amen? Amen? Yeah, if you are my enemy, I want you to be my friend today. Hallelujah. Oh, man, man. A, a, a crazy here, man. Hey. <laughs> Thank you so much, my brother. <coughs> yeah, now let me finish because you are looking at your watches. <coughs> face to face with Jesus, and Jesus, what must I do? Now he had inherited wealth from his father. But now we are thinking about another inheritance. This inheritance, he said, How, what must I do to inherit eternal life? After the wealth you have, your house, your degree, all the wealth you have, whether you're black or white, whoever, all what you have is for the earth here. But there's another inheritance in heaven where you should be, where you should go. And then you are thinking about that inheritance. So I said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answers him back. He says, you know the commandments. Now, look at this. If you look well, Jesus doesn't start on commandment number one. No. He doesn't touch commandment number two. No. Number three. No. Number four. No. Uh -uh. He starts from commandment number five. And he says, do not murder or do not commit adultery. Jesus looked at this rich young man. He knew his problem is girls. So he starts with adultery. And then he says murder. And then he falls uh, witness. And then he finishes by honor your father and your mother. Which is a big problem to both black and white. Especially the young teenagers going to college. Mom says something. Oh, if it's a girl, no, I don't want. And she's chewing finger. Uh, I don't want. She backs the door with her chewing gum. If it's a young man, she uses the baritone voice. And with his boxers, you know. No, mom, I can't not do that. Mama is trembling. Bullying your own mother. So he says, honor your father and your mother. And then this boy proudly, like Americans do, they have uh, keys here and they've got some coins here. When they are talking to you, they are playing with the coins in their pocket. <laughs> That's no problem. I have obeyed these laws from when I was a young boy. <laughs> And he's playing with his coins to Jesus. <laughs> uh, now, Jesus does three things. 
He said, okay, you have obeyed all the commandments. But he doesn't realize that Jesus has missed number one, number two, number three, number four. Already he had failed on these four. Only four. He had already, because God says, you shall not have any other God except who? Me. Now, Jesus does one thing. He says, go. Number one, you are saying go. To live where Jesus, to go. When you go, do number two. Give all your wealth to the poor. Number three, when you do that, come back. Come and you do what? Follow me. Follow me. Now that was tough. Look at this young man now. Let's, let's observe him. He has heard that. Go. Number one. Two. Sell. Number three. Come back. Four. Follow me. The, boy, the Bible says he was said a gloomy face like a donkey face going away. He was going. Now, when you are walking away, who is looking at you on your back? Jesus is looking at you on your back. What a terrible thing to put your back on God, on Jesus. And you are walking away and he's watching you. It's better to face God face to face. Then you are still in a relationship. But when you turn your back, he looks at you at your back. Man, it's a terrible thing. The other person who turned his back was Judas. Jesus said, what you want to do, do it immediately. He turned his back. Jesus was looking at him on his back. My brother, this young man, his problem was he was sitting on the chair. He disobeyed commandment number one. Number two, already it felt he was sitting on that throne replacing Jesus replacing God and when I came to Jesus like that I came and knelt down I said God I've been replacing you all my life today I surrender everything to you and I had things I had to put right I went to that brother I went to the white man I said I used to hate you I was smiling at you white people forgive me Jesus says has dealt with me. I went to black people, other tribes which I didn't like, the Shonas, the Ndebeles. I went to them, starting apologizing to different nationalities. I had a different negative attitude towards them. I repented. And when I repented, my brother, I was flying like a bird. I was on fire for God. And from there, God picked me up. From there, after confessing, he said, now Stephen, you are ready. I will send you to the nations. Then he sends you me to America, to Argentina, to America, to Congo, to where... Now, I'm wearing my Congolese shirt here. It's all written in, in French. If you don't know how to reach, read the French, you'll never go to heaven. <laughs> so God blessed me all over the world. I went to White House to preach to George Bush, preach uh, to, 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 uh, to, to Obama, preach the gospel to these people because God had dealt with me. I had moved away from the throne. 
allowed Jesus to sit on his throne and he took over and as I was saying at Shofar the day before yesterday I'm sensitive to sin my life has got wipers all the time if something there's a wiper of the blood of Jesus cleaning my life every day I'm sensitive of this pride pride I mean pastors have become with these titles which are useless apostle prophet what, what for <laughs> what for if you look at the bible bible doesn't say prophet or apostle Paul no it doesn't say so apostleship is a ministry are we together apostleship is a what a ministry you are doing now the bible says Paul face his name Paul the apostle <laughs> not apostle Paul but Paul who the apostle <laughs> is the Paul into the ministry but today they become titles and if you don't mention them that oh this is brother so no I'm apostle he corrects you I'm apostle I'm doctor <laughs> doctorate which you don't know where they came from in America you can buy a doctorate Harvard University they wanted to give me an uh, honorary doctorate degree I said no I don't want it Johannesburg University they want to give me a doctorate degree I said no Kenya University want to give me a doctorate degree I said no I don't want I just want to be called Stephen Lungu that's enough these degrees will never change the way I preach so God has blessed me and I thank God that God is still working in my life now I'm doing ministry in Malawi among the politicians among all members of parliament among the diplomats that's where I'm reaching out because these people they don't go to church so that's my ministry I'm doing we've helped even in Rwanda on the reconciliation in Burundi, in Congo we're still working there on the, way, on the re reconciliation. It's tough. You can die anytime. But God, when he sends you, he sends you. And you say, yes, sir, I'll go. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I, as I close, God bless me. And I thank God I moved away from that chair. He sits on that chair. This young man failed when he says, go come and follow me. Are you going to go? Sell all what you have inside. That may be somewhere hidden secret that you are still sitting on the throne. You say God this morning I'm moving out from that throne. Take over my life this morning. Shall we stand? <coughs> Shall we stand? You know, when you still sit on that throne, it's you who is losing. But when you allow God to sit on that throne of your life, you gain. The more you move, he sits, you gain. It's you who will gain. A double measure of his blessing. God in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, he says, come up here. God doesn't want you to be in the valley. 
No. That's not your place to be in the valley. God wants you on the mountain top. On the mountain top, that's where victory is. You can see the enemies properly. Come on the mountain top. Don't be in a valley where you are defeated all the time. You say, God, I'm moving out from this throne. Take over my life. I don't want to be like this rich young ruler who turns his back, moving away. Or moving out through those doors and say, God, I'll do it next week. No, this is not a next week thing. God wants you to do now. Because he says, come now. Let us reason together. Let us reason. Come and discuss with God right here in front. You say, God, I have a meeting with you, an appointment with you. Don't lose that appointment. If it is you, want God to move, you want to move away from that throne, God to take over. Just come forward here, we pray together. Say, God, I really want to move from this throne. I've been the boss of myself too long. Take over. As music is playing for us, just say, God, I want to move away from this throne. I want to go high. I'm tired to be down on the valley. I want to go on top. Just come forward. Hallelujah. <laughs> Maybe you've got some things which you need healing in your heart, holding in the past too long, or the end of the past, or whatever it is, oh God, you said, oh God. I need healing from the junk of my past. Oh, you have never accepted Jesus. Today you say, God, I've been holding on, controlling my life. Like Stephen, who surrendered his life to you, Lord God. I was a person who never cried easily. I was a tough boy who never cried. But that night, when I came to Jesus tears just rolled down freely because I meant business with God. I was serious with God. God was serious with you. He loves you passionately. And you can't go on like that. You can't go on battling in your spirit. One leg you want to go for God another leg you want to go for the devil you say, ah God I can't go on like this. I'm going out there for Jesus. Take over my life. Touch my life. I've been having my legs in both worlds. But today I surrender this throne back to you. Take, oh God, and sit on it, on my life, on that throne.
let the Holy Spirit just reveal to you the specific things the specific things that you are struggling to let go of and surrender of let as Jesus knew that man's heart he knows your heart he knows what it is so I'm asking Holy Spirit would you please come and identify in each one of us heart those things that needs to be surrendered now whether it's a whole heart for the first time as we come or whether it's specific things God whether it's Mammon father who's who's standing and looking so many of us in the eyes or whether it's just our desire to succeed and our desire for safety, our desire for comfort, our desire just for worldly joys, Father, our desire for our families, Father, whatever sits on the throne of our lives, Lord, show us, Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And as someone prays with you, repent specifically. Repent specifically. Say, it's this thing. It's this thing. Lord, I surrender this thing to you now. Let's just minister to each other. Let's pray to each other for the rest of us. Let's worship the King of um, Kings. Just create an attitude of worship. We're going to sing to the Lord and minister to each other.
Is he worthy? Is he worthy? 